Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So here we are now in the book of Ruth here. And so we further study how remarkable it was when Ruth said why she was going to the field in verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. See, Ruth was convinced 100% that she was going to find a landowner who would show her grace. And when Ruth said that when she would find grace in the eyes of a landowner, she used a particular Hebrew word. And she used the word hen, hen. See, that word was first used in the Bible in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. And it was speaking about Noah. And it said, Noah found hen in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the context of that verse was that God had pronounced the world's going to be destroyed. The world was going to be destroyed. Why? Because of sin. And who was Noah? A sinner also. But Noah found hen or grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah should have been destroyed also with the world. He's a sinner like the world, but he was saved from the destruction of the world. This picture there of Noah deserving to die along with everyone else in the flood, but he didn't. Why? Because of the hand of God, because of the grace of God. It vividly shows us there the definition of the word ken or grace. Ken or grace is getting what we do not deserve. Noah did not deserve to be saved from the flood. Noah did not deserve to be saved from the destruction of the world. But Noah was saved because of one reason, the pen, the grace of God. That's all. Noah couldn't look at his life and say, you know, Lord, I'm absolutely righteous, and, and so that's not, there's no reason for me to be destroyed. No, he was a sinner too. Then why was he saved? The pen, the grace of God. See, the word hen is also used by Zechariah to describe what is going to happen to the Jewish people when they transform this wonderful transformation that's going to happen from their current state of being the rejecters, being the despisers of the Lord Jesus Christ, to being the mourners over the Lord Jesus Christ for what they did to him, to being the promoters or the evangelists of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is very interesting, especially for me. I'm very interested in this. How's this going to happen? How's this great transformation going to take place? That they're going to go from here, being the rejectors, to here, mourning over what they've done, and to here, 
being the evangelists and the promoters into the world of the Lord Jesus Christ. How's that going to happen? God says how it's going to happen. In Zechariah 12.10, where he says, I will pour, God speaking, he says, I will pour. He says, I'm going to pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of pen, the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they will look upon me whom they have pierced. See, the one who's pouring the grace and the supplications on them is the one who's been pierced, is the one who they're going to look on and say, it's Jesus. They're going to be like, Paul, who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Jesus, oh, they'll look on him whom they have pierced. It's not going to be like the Romans did it. No, they're going to say, we did it. They'll take full ownership. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. You know, the death of a child for a parent is a very bitter pill to swallow. A parent should never never see the death of his child. The parent is supposed to die before the child, but when the child dies, it's this particular bitterness. And there's a, there's a strong mourning, and he says, this is the kind of mourning it's going to be when they look on me, they look on their God, and they say, oh, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? And when they see that they, their hand was in there, have the part in it all, the key part, then they'll mourn. See, to see from this verse, the Jewish people mourning over the Lord Jesus Christ, taking ownership for his death, oh, that's the hand of God. That's the grace of God. That's him being, that's him pouring out. That is God in his goodness leading them to repentance, which is what it says in Romans 2, 4, that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. See, Han is a description of the Lord Jesus Christ because it says in John 1, 4, the word, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ by that wonderful title of his, the word, the communication from God, the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full, redundant, full of Ken full of grace and truth. We beheld the Lord Jesus Christ and we saw grace. We saw grace. We looked at the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw grace. We stood back and we said, I see the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I see the Lord Jesus Christ, I see the grace of God. In him, I see my salvation from sin. I did not deserve that salvation. That's grace. I see grace in him. In him, I am adopted as a child of God. I did not deserve to be adopted as a child of God. That's grace. In him, I see the grace of God. In him, I see that because of God, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to have a, a home in heaven. I don't deserve that. That's grace. I got that in him. In him, I see the grace of God. In him, everything is in him. Uh, what I don't deserve and what I receive is all because of him being the grace of God. See, that's hen, that's grace. It's different from the word mercy or chesed, 
which is to not get what I deserve. See, grace is to get what I don't deserve. Mercy is to not get what I do deserve. We do deserve the eternal judgment of God. We do deserve hell. We do not get that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is God's mercy. So mercy or chesed is to not get what we deserve, to not get hell. And grace or hen is to get what we don't deserve, is heaven. So in verse 2, when Ruth said that she was going to find hen, she was going to find grace in the eyes of a landowner, she was saying that she was going to get what she did not deserve. That shows us a lot about Ruth. It shows that she was not a person who saw herself as entitled. You know, she wasn't at the front of the welfare line pounding her fist and saying, you owe it to me, I deserve this. That's not Ruth. Ruth did not have that attitude. Ruth did not have the attitude, well, those landlords, they have more than they deserve. They take advantage of all of us poor people. So I deserve to be able to get the fruits off their field. That wasn't Ruth. She talked about hen. When Ruth used the word hen or grace, it showed that Ruth there, she saw that she didn't deserve to glean that corn on another man's field. It shows us that Ruth was a person of gratefulness. She was conscious that everything she had was by grace. And again, Ruth is an example to us. Oh, that we'd be like Ruth in this aspect and see that all that we have, we don't deserve. It's just given to us by the grace of God. Turns us, it should turn us to be and everything give thanks. That's what it means. Why was Ruth so confident that she would find this landowner with, that's going to show her grace? How could she know? Why is she so confident? She said, say, well, I hope to. She said, I will. How was she so confident? Because Ruth was confident in God and that she was confident that God was the God of all grace. Just like Peter said in 1 Peter 5.10, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. See, Ruth didn't know very much about the people of Israel. She just got there. Ruth didn't know very much a land of Israel. She just got there. She Ruth didn't know about the, the city Bethlehem of Israel. She just got there. But Ruth knew a lot about the God of Israel. And Ruth knew that the God of Israel was a God of great grace. And so she was confident that God would lead her to a landowner that would show her grace. Why? Because God was going to provide that landowner to show her grace. Just like it says, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord and he turns it whithersoever he will. The heart of the landowner is in the hands of the Lord and he turns it whithersoever he will. And Ruth went out there and said, that's right, Lord, that's who you are. You're a God of all grace, I'm relying on that. And Naomi's words then, she turns and Naomi's listening to this. She says, whoa. I don't deserve to have such a daughter like daughter-in-law like this. And she turns to her and Naomi's words, my daughter. She called her my daughter. It's so monumental. You know, we can see Naomi. She turns, she looks into the eyes of Ruth. You know, the Jewish way, you know, she might have taken Ruth's hands in her face like this and looked at her and said, my daughter. And then she would have turned her face and kissed her on the cheek with a wet kiss. And by Naomi calling her my daughter, Naomi was saying to Ruth, listen, Ruth, everyone here may call you Ruth the Moabitess, but not me. I call you Ruth my daughter. And Naomi could look back at Ruth and say, you know, I never had a daughter, but I've got one now. I got a wonderful daughter, Ruth, my daughter. 
And we can imagine Ruth then looking, looking at Naomi and say, you know, that means a lot to me, Naomi, my mother. Oh, this is such a wonderful thing. It reminds me of when the Lord Jesus Christ looked at his disciples, this change in, in calling. And in John 15, 15, he says, Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. See, what he was saying is say, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. He could look at Peter and he could say, Peter, my friend. He look at John and he say, John, my friend. And he looks at you. He looks at me today and he calls our name out and he says, my friend. That's wonderful. Just like Naomi looked at Ruth and said, my daughter. So now in verse four, we see something very interesting where it says, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. See, in verse four, this is interesting for us because we ask the question, who is Boaz talking to? Who is he addressing in verse four? The reapers. Boaz is speaking to the reapers. Boaz, the landlord, is addressing the reapers. It's interesting because in verse five, it shows that Boaz is addressing this person who is the servant over his reapers. See, he's speaking to the servant over his reapers. So the servant over the reapers, that's a manager. That's a foreman. That's the person who Boaz normally speaks to when he wants to say something to the reapers. That's the way it is. So we would not expect Boaz here to be speaking to the reapers because he's got a foreman. He's got a servant who is set over the reapers. That's the one. See, it's not by accident that the word of God tells us that this servant twice, it says he's set over the reapers. But in verse four, Boaz is speaking to the reapers. They say, why is Boaz communicating directly to the reapers? Because in work, you don't do this. This is confusion. If Boaz gives directions directly to the reapers, and then he expects the servant to set over the reapers to, to manage them, and then he's got to go and say, well, what did you tell them to do? I mean, so you don't do it that way. So when it came to work, Boaz respected the chain of command, and he worked through his manager's servant, his foreman, his set over the reapers. Why does Boaz now? Speaking then directly to the reapers in verse 4. Because he's not talking to them about work. In verse 4, he, what he's speaking to them is a fellow believer. He's a fellow believer. And Boaz understands, look, as far as work is concerned, I, Boaz, am over you. But Boaz knows, before God, I'm equal with you. And therefore, he speaks to them as a fellow believer without seeing himself as above them. You know, that picture... That means a lot to me. It's so precious. You know, Boaz speaking to the reapers as one of their equals, it teaches us how the ground is all level at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross, everyone meets there as sinners in need of a Savior. At the foot of the cross, there are no first-class seats. There's no bleaching. At the foot of the cross, everyone confesses they're a sinner worthy of hell. At the foot of the cross, everyone pleads with the Lord Jesus Christ to have chesed, have mercy on me. Don't send me to hell. Show me can, show me grace by remembering me when you come into your kingdom so I can be with you in your kingdom. That's what Paul meant 
in Galatians 3, 26 through 29, when he said, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So by speaking directly to the reapers that God should be with them, Boaz is saying that in Jehovah Jesus, there are no landlords and reapers, and we're all one in Jehovah Jesus. And Paul also put this non-class distinction in the Lord Jesus Christ in Colossians 3, 10 through 12, when he says, you know what we've done? We've put on a new man, renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created us, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, suffering, long-suffering. See, by addressing the reapers directly, for God with them, Boaz is showing humbleness of mind. So that reminds me how in 2006, when our manufacturing plant in Tecate, Mexico, I think I may have told you this, I met with about 100 assemblers there. We just went into our new building, uh, so we pull them all aside and, and, uh, and I talked to them. Assemblers are the entry level. And at that meeting, I wanted them to know, I wanted them to know me. I wanted to bear my heart to them. So what I did is I, I told them how I came to the Lord Jesus Christ. I told them about my past and what a terrible sinner I was. I told them about the defilement and the filthiness and the dirt of my heart and how I came to the Lord Jesus Christ from all that sin and defilement. And Deanna Huerta, she was there and she was translating all this into Spanish. So I'd say some sentences and then I'd stop and you know, Deanna would translate them into Spanish. And, and then if I said too many sentences, she made me know that, so I wouldn't say so many sentences, which I can do sometimes. Anyway, so I did this. And I remember how, you know, I was speaking, you know, and Deanna's translating. And I remember how the assemblers just kind of just stared at me, you know. <laughs> and there was amazement, you know, this astonishment. And then I finished my talk, and I waited for them to applaud, you know, not because I want applause, but in Mexico, everyone always applauds for everything. You know, they're always applauding. And I remember no one applauded. And I thought, uh-oh, I said something wrong. So <laughs> I turned to down and I said, okay, what did I say that was wrong? And she said, they're just not used to a company president telling them that he's a defiled sinner. <laughs> well, that was good because that was a message I wanted to come across because at the foot of the cross, all the ground's level. I'm like them, defiled sinner. I got to come to Christ. They need to come to Christ. Also, So from verse 4, we saw that those were the words that Boaz spoke when he spoke to the reapers. Good words when he said, the Lord bless thee. And whenever a person like Boaz, especially in his position, he says words like, the Lord bless thee, immediately there's a question that comes to everybody's mind. They go, uh-huh. So does his life back up his words? Let's just have a look here. Are those just words that Mr. Boaz is speaking there? Or does he have a life that really reflects that he wants the Lord to be with others? 
He Boaz says, the Lord be with you. That sounds so spiritual. But does Boaz really have a life that shows that he cares about others? See, that's a challenge for us. Does our walk match our talk? See, that question of whether the words of Boaz in verse 4 is backed up by his life is answered for us in verse 5 when he says, Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? Here we see Boaz, he's taking notice of a needy person who's come into his field. See, in verse 5, we see he not only cares about his reapers, and he's not only caring about them looking after their welfare, but he sees this needy person. Now, why was Boaz out looking for a needy person? Because the answer is, he's on the look for a needy person, and that guides, that guides us is why we should be on the lookout for a needy person. So when Jesus Christ, when the Lord Jesus Christ told those Herodians, Herodians, Herod, Herod, whatever they are, he says, uh, look carefully at that coin and see the image of Caesar. And when you see that, you will recognize that coin belongs to Caesar. You treat that coin according to its owner. In the same way, we hear the Lord Jesus Christ saying to us, look carefully at every person, whether he's rich, whether he's poor, and see the image of God. Recognize that that person belongs to God, like that coin belongs to God, like that coin has Caesar's image. See God's image on that person. He's been created by God. And therefore, the coin belongs to Caesar, the person belongs to God. And if that person is lost, bring that person back to its owner, to God. And if that person is saved, encourage that person to get closer to his owner, which is God. So what we're to do with the needy is what Boaz did with the needy. Look carefully. See the image of the creator on that person. And that person, see that person is owned by God. And that's what Boaz did when he saw a needy Moabitess in his field. In fact, in verse 5, Boaz asked about the needy Moabite. It's very significant because the reapers, you know, they're working for Boaz. You know, so somebody might say, oh, well, of course Boaz cares about the reapers. I mean, look how they're making money for him. They're benefiting him. So, you know, if the reapers are happy, they're taking care of them, then they'll, they'll make more money for Boaz. They're going to work harder. They're going to benefit Boaz. You know, what goes around comes around. It's all just kind of like right in a big little circle there. And that's true. But here we see Boaz showing true love for the needy. Why is this true love? True love, or agape's, God's agape love, is to do good for someone who has no ability to pay you back. That's what love is. See, when Boaz asked this question in verse 5, Boaz had all the intention of helping this needy woman, and Boaz knew that the giving would be in one direction, from Boaz to this needy woman. And Boaz expected nothing in return from this poor woman. That's an example to us. That's Boaz. He's he's being an example to us. We should seek out the needy and give them and do them with no expectation that they're ever going to pay us back. Why should we do this? Why should we be like Boaz, give to a person who has no ability to give back to us? Because God asked us to. And all throughout the Bible, for example, David, king of Israel, he showed us what a good man looks like in Psalm 112, verse 5. 
through 10. He said, a good man shows mercy, shows favor, and lendeth, and he will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance, and he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid when, until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed and given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. You're invited to the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California for the third annual Taste of Creation Benefit Dinner and Silent Auction. It's Saturday, June 3rd at 6.30 p.m. This benefit dinner is in support of the Light and Life Foundation ministries that encompass the Creation and Earth History Museum, Friendship with God Radio Program, and Israel Restoration Ministries. Come experience gourmet and unique local restaurant foods, and we'll have Bible teacher Tom Cantor from the Friendship with God Radio Program speaking, along with musical performances by the De Lamont Strings. We'll have an amazing night of silent and live auction items, including tailored guitars, vacation getaways, and other exciting auction items. So if you'd like to attend this event, or if you're a local business or person that would like to donate and sponsor a product or service in support of the Creation Museum auction on Saturday, June 3rd at 6.30 p.m., then call us with your support or to reserve your seat. 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org. creationsd.org. creationsd.org.